Hey, I'm Jake Brennan, and I want to tell you about Disgraceland, the award-winning music and true crime podcast that I host. Disgraceland tells the stories of musicians getting away with murder and behaving very badly. Fleetwood Mac, Nipsey Hussle, Cardi B, Ozzy Osbourne, Taylor Swift, Tupac, The Beatles, Amy Winehouse, Jay-Z, The Grateful Dead, and so many more. This is not the music history you've heard before. This is an uncensored, immersive look at the lives of musical icons as seen through the crimes they've committed or that have been perpetrated against them. Did Jerry Lee Lewis murder his fifth wife? What really happened to Sam Cooke in that seedy motel at 3 a.m.? And how did the Rolling Stones wind up sleeping with the First Lady? Wait, what? New episodes of Disgraceland drop every Tuesday with bonus episodes released on Mondays and Thursdays. So get in, buckle up, and join me in Disgraceland. Available right now, wherever you get your podcasts. Rock and roll. We were playing a festival last summer in Belgium, and uh, we turned up at the hotel and um, reception. Oh, we've got a room for uh, Mr. Hussey. And they're looking down the list. Um, oh, we got a room for Mr. Pussy. <laughs> <laughs> that, that must be me then. Hi, this is Lowell Tolhurst, co-founder of The Cure. And this is Budgie, co-founder of The Creatures, drummer with The Slits, and Susie and the Banshees. Welcome to Curious Creatures. Life after punk. You may think you know the territory, but we drew the map. I've got a very special announcement. I'd like to welcome Wayne Hussey. Welcome to Curious Creatures. Hello. Hi, Wayne. Thank you for having me. Do you know what? I've, I've never played a musical instrument on this program before. I'm not saying that's musical. It's an instrument. <laughs> it took you a while to get there, didn't it? It took a bit of puff. <laughs> Back to front and upside down. <laughs> uh, anybody interested, it's a horn bass, chromatic um, bass harmonica. It's, it's unbelievable. We used to always try and get it onto a recording. It's great. Just, just sample it, wouldn't you? Oh, it's beautiful. When you are. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, sing us that song. Oh, no. I'll tell you that song in three. <laughs> uh, our, uh, our British viewers will know what that is. Yeah. Well, Liverpool supporters around the world. Well, Wayne, you just got back home because I saw I saw you recently. Yeah, about three, about four weeks ago in Berlin. Yeah, it was lovely. Yeah, it was lovely. We had lovely coffee. Um, yeah, I uh, got home about week week or so ago. How long were you out? How long were you, was that tour? It was uh, six, seven weeks. But I was away for eight weeks, so I'm back home, and I'm home for another week before I fly back to England next week. To England, and then several dates around the old Blighty. Yeah, we've got a few shows with the cult, actually. Our old mates, the cult. Ian and Billy. Ian and Billy. Uh-huh. Oh, lovely. I've missed Billy. The Banshees and the cult used to play Sabutio together. Really? Did you win? No, they always cheated. Yeah, he's he's very competitive, Billy. Oh, just a little. Just a little. <laughs> yeah, well, he's mank. <laughs> <laughs> 
we could never get the Sabutio pitch to lie straight, you know. It's like in a hotel room somewhere, you know, after the gig. We, we had at least we had a hotel room. I suppose that was something to be grateful for. Yeah. Was that was that? Let let me guess. Was Sabutio Severin's idea, or or you know, was was he a main proponent of that? Well, strangely. When I was a little boy in Morley Street in St. Helens, um, we, me and a couple of the other lads, we all had Sabutio pitches. I've still got mine. Mine's still at my sister's. I know that because she she brought it down from the attic last time I was there. I don't know what you were like, but when, you know, if I had like my little 45, which I also still have, you know, for, uh, what do you call it? Singles, vinyl singles. I also had a book and in the book I would write down the title and who was it, and who wrote it, and how long it was, and timed them to make sure that the timing on the label was correct. And the B-side? And the B-side, and the label, a little, if it was, you know, a design, so I, you know, this was anal, anal. Um, but it, it it was just that, it was the, the that kind of, um, I don't know what you call it, is it kind of um, autism or something? I don't know. No, I mean, I did a similar thing. What I used to make, what, listen to the top 40 on a Sunday and write it down, you know, and then I would predict what would be the top 40 the next week in my little book. And then I would, you know, give myself marks out of 10 for for, for, uh, for efforts. How close you got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so we all had our little... Um, yeah, I mean, I, I used to work at the news agents at the top of the street and uh you know I, was, I used to deliver newspapers you know and then i graduated to marking up the papers in the shop which was better because you didn't get rained on or attacked by people's dogs and uh you know i would have a look at the melody maker and the enemy as it came in as i was marking up pretending to mark up and i'd figure out what would have to go on my next list of my next must-have album because you know i made five pounds five pounds a week so that was enough to buy one album that's a lot of money it was that's five pounds a week what what what, what was that what, were you working for waterstones then or something? <laughs> no this was this was working in, in the actual shop the paper round you only got like you know two and sixpence or something but you yeah know. i had a paper round 25 bob i think it was, it was something like that and, and a milk round on a saturday morning <laughs> <laughs> Coming back to the Sabutio quickly. So, um, David Jones. Hi, David, if you're listening. I'm sure you must be somewhere. Um, David was um, a, another fellow wannabe musician. So he had his, his haircut like uh, Brian Connolly from Sweet. And he looked after the English, what now be called the English Premier League. So he had, he had like British Sabutio football teams. And the other chap must have had like, I think I was demoted to having Scottish and Welsh. <laughs> Which had all the interesting colours. I remember having Partick Thistle, uh, Glasgow Rangers, Hibs. the Hibs, Hibernians, uh, Celtic, and uh, you know all hoops and green and white. So they all looked like Roy the Rovers. So my teams were cool. They they looked like real football colours. <laughs> Whereas his had like more of the the kind of new new Brit you know British uh, English sorry English uh, strips at the time. Um, and then I had my my dad. God bless him. Um, brought up this Sabutio pitch-sized piece of hardwood, um, chipboard. Right. It's huge, heavy stuff. And then we tacked it to the board, and it stayed 
fully stretched, at, you know, against the wall and then lifted well, it. Well, that's what you were missing in the hotel rooms. That's exactly what I couldn't play. The conditions were bad. It was it was soft underfoot. A rough pitch. Yeah, soft underfoot. I mean, you need a firm pitch, really. Is that a John Bonham track? Firm pitch? Probably. No. J- soft underfoot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, dear. Digging the, digging the barrel, though. Um, <laughs> yes, I think we did try playing Sabutio later on, you know, um, but they they'd kind of gone on to like real football. Didn't the Banshees play the Cure at football one time? Well, that's what I was just going to say. We we did one tour. Actually, we were in Brazil. I remember where we do it. We took on the idea of like we should play the crew every day at football, and we just ended up paying lots of money to the venues because we'd be in, indoors and be kicking the ball around, and there'd be like eight hundred you know marks of the ball on the wall. And uh, we'd have to pay for it to get painted. Glasses broken and bottles behind the bar smashed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The usual nonsense. So uh, we stopped after a while and only did it when we were outside. We, we did a couple of those charity things back in the 80s. One at um, Loftus Road, Queen's Park Rangers Grand. Yeah. And one at Fulham, Craven Cottage. And um, we lost to... Uh, the House Martins won top competition we, they thrashed us actually but we did draw with frankie goes to hollywood and beat coronation street well that's, that's something to be proud of really i think yeah because frankie had a couple of decent players in i would think as well like there's a there's a couple of them yeah ho- ho- holly didn't holly didn't play it was the, it was the lads. No, i couldn't imagine holly playing it was the lads <laughs> it was the yeah what was their guitarist called? Um, Nasher. Nasher. Yes, I, I, I knew him pretty well, and and he struck, struck strikes me as a bit of a, you know, knobby styles, bit of a like you know, hack you down at the the shins, you know. Uh, yeah. yeah, he's a good lad. Is is Nasher? Uh, but he's a Liverpool. He's a fellow Liverpool supporter, avid. Okay. So you know, yeah, he knows his football. I saw Liverpool play out here uh, a couple of years ago. They played uh, Chelsea. And uh, I took a friend who'd never been to a match, and they before the game, they were <clears throat> practicing out on the pitch. And I think it was Fabregas from Chelsea aimed a ball at the goal, which came over the top of the crowd and hit my friend who was talking to my wife square in the face, knocked her glasses flying, gave her a concussion, I think, and and the whole crowd went. Ooh, because they saw it, you know. Uh, that was her first match ever, and she got knocked out by a ball from Fabregas. And she's not been back since. Not really, no. You and Wayne have got this shared history, and I, I only come along halfway through that. We do, we do. Wayne and I, we were in a band together, weren't we, Wayne? You've told me this. Yeah, for two days. <laughs> yeah, you don't even remember it, do you? But it was a big, it was a big deal for me. I was in bands I wasn't even in, you know. I, well, I know we we would go to Eric's and we form a band on, in the evening, and then uh, the next day we split up without even actually playing together. <laughs> without playing, we talk about the gig, talk about the uh, the rehearsal, what we were going to do. Yeah, yeah, it was fun, fun, fun days. And then you went on to you were with Pete Burns. I was for a little while, yeah, for two years. Yeah. I, Mm-hmm. For two years, mm-hmm. I liked Pete. Yeah, he was a, definitely a ca- character, wasn't he? he? He took no prisoners, should we say that? He took no prisoners. Because <laughs> mm. right. you knew Pete was yeah. around, you heard his voice first. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it was like, usually giving somebody a thrashing. Yeah, he, he would take no shit from anybody. 
and he was built like a brick shit house. He was a big bloke. Yeah, he was. <laughs> Nobody he was, figured this. I only saw him the once. I think we, I think we did top of the pops with Dead or Alive, but he's he's like bigger than than uh, boy George. You know, George is pretty, mm-hmm. you know, handy, but but Pete, you know, yeah, he was big, big lad. Walked through town with him, and all the scallies would start, you know, taking the piss out of him, and he would he would go after him with no fear. Absolutely batter them. Did you ever get jumped on in Liverpool? Uh, I did one time, yeah. With uh, uh, when when I was in Dead or Alive, we used to we started going out to gay clubs because we started liking the music more than the uh, the rock music. And then one night we were coming out of the club, and I just saw Pete being dragged up the the road by his dreadlocks by a couple of lads. So I went running in, and there was a group of them, you know. And then all of the Dead or Alive lads came out, and there was a bit of a scrap in the street, you know. And then Broke my glasses, not my nose or anything. As I was saying to you, Wayne, and lol knows. I'm, I'm still writing that that book. Good boy. And um, just, yeah, I know, I know. You, 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 you're way ahead of me, you guys. But um, it's funny how you get pulled right back into the moments that you're either you you think you're going to write about one thing, and then you suddenly pull it somewhere else. Absolutely. It's like making music. Exactly that. Yeah, exactly. You, you you surrender to it and you go where it takes you. Right. Yeah, it's a lovely feeling. It's a new rock and roll writing book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, you're you know we we're we're joking about it, but you're actually absolutely right because I felt the same feeling. It's just a lot slower, you know. Yeah, but there there are moments where you ca- you catch that you catch that moment and uh, and you really do have to surrender to it. Right. And it it comes it comes like a gush. You know, it comes gushing, and it's it's brilliant when it happens. Oh yeah, uh, no, absolutely. But you 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 sometimes have to work really hard to get to that point, though. right? Yeah, no, you're absolutely correct. If writing a book is not something, oh, you can't do. Oh, I've got a spare ten minutes. I'll do a bit of writing. It, it doesn't work like that for me. I don't know about you. I'm finding that. No, definitely not. It definitely doesn't. I mean, for this last book, which I've just kind of finished and it's coming out, I. Uh, the first six months, I, cu- I couldn't do anything. I was just like sitting there thinking, what the hell am I going to do? You know, it was just going around. And all of a sudden, it all came out, like you said, at once. Mm-hmm. And I don't edit myself at that point. I just think, like keep going, keep going and get it all down, you know. Yeah, it's, it's the same with demoing. Just get it down. It's like you, you can go back and chart it up afterwards. You know? <laughs> Here we go. This is for lol. Recognize this tune. Wow. Old Grey Whistle Test, right? <laughs> I'm speechless. <laughs> that was very good. I've been doing that for quite a while. <laughs> when was Whistle when was Old Whistle Old Grey Whistle Test on the test? Nineteen seventy two. Okay, I've been practicing <laughs> for about 40. Well, I was going to say 1927, 1927. With Whispering Bob. Yeah. Yeah, and Annie Nightingale. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I missed a lot of the 80s. I was there, but it was like the 60s. You know, if you remember it, 
you weren't there, right? I met you for the first time in the eighties, lol. You won't remember, but I did. I, I, I sort of like. I was thinking about this this morning in having the shower. I was thinking, when did I first meet Wayne? And to me, the first time I think that I really remember meeting you was backstage at the Palace here about I don't know, twenty years ago. Yeah, the first time was when you came to see the mission. I think we were playing at the story. We were doing. The, a run of seven nights there and you came and you you ended up coming back to my hotel room and we ended up seeing the sunrise together yes i do remember that we came to the story i saw the mish play and then we ended up talking until the early hours you know i've shared unexpected sunrise moments with both members of the cramps i think when uh probably when kid congo was in in the, in the cramps with Lux and Ivy. Um, and then also with Kid and his band Fur Bible that Patricia Morrison was in. I remember them, yeah. Yeah. And who else? Yeah, I can't. That's that there too, I can think of straight away. Um, and there was lots I just remembered my, on my own going, oh, bloody hell, it's morning. <laughs> <laughs> they were the worst ones, I think. You were just on your own going, well, where, where did everybody go? Where's everybody come? You know, like imaginary conversations you've had with people in, in the dawn. Yeah, and you could just put whoever you like in there, you know, and just say, I remember when I was talking to Harold Wilson, you know, just, uh, just carry on, just make it up. Oh, I tell you, I, I do know a good one after the Ministry of Sound in London. And um, I think Sugar Cubes have been playing because I was down Ministry of Sound with Anar who is like a yeah, trumpet and toaster, I know. And um, so I think Susie and I were living in a hotel around the Queensgate somewhere because we, we just out, out of the out of our apartment and mid-tour or something. Anyway, I remember like me and I know we hadn't met before and we were just like up all night and and that was it. We bonded that that this like glorious long conversation and cut long story short and when i ended up with like john grant a few years ago and john lives in iceland in reykjavik and it was like meeting einar for the first time in probably as long as you and i uh, hadn't met until like three weeks ago uh, wayne <laughs> and it was just the same like the conversation that probably we'd never really had was continuing yeah yeah <laughs> did did Ina remember um his interactions with uh, a glorious leader from the past. Does he remember that? At all? Now, which 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 glorious leader are we? Uh... <laughs> oh, with 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 not 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 Madam, but Bob. Does he remember his interactions with Bob? No. Was there? It sounds like there was something going on. I, I saw Bob and Ina rolling around in the mud backstage at a festival we played. Yes, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's that one. It's yeah. a, it was the Zillow Festival in Germany. Oh, the Zillow. I remember the Zillow Festival. It's, it was playful to start with, and then it got a little bit serious. With <laughs> both of them rolling around the floor, it was like, mm, hang on a minute, let's pull them apart. Yeah. Right. <laughs> they, could, they could handle themselves, Doug, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, Robert is, is a bigger chap than um, I know. For sure, it was feisty. So, so you lived in a hotel. Have you lived in a hotel at any point in your existence, Wayne? Yes, I have. I lived in the Columbia Hotel in uh, in um, Lancaster Gate in London for 
about two years on and off. Did have I did have a place in Leeds, and then uh, kept getting robbed whenever I went on tour. So it was like, okay, uh, I'm not going to live there anymore. Uh, Julian Cole wasn't in uh, the Columbia by any chance, was he at that time? Uh, he, I used to bump into Julian there a few times. Yeah. Have you read his um, one of his, his whichever one it is? I think it's probably head on where he, he, yeah. he goes into great detail about his room at the Columbia. Yes, I do in my my latest book actually, uh, or maybe it was a previous book. I I go into that green bedspreads with all the stains in the. Uh, Oh my goodness! It sounds like Julian built himself like a kind of a um, what do you call him, like a cave in his room with a mattress because he was really too scared to come out anymore. That's what the acid will do to you. It's a good book, though. So, are you doing? Are you doing touring around your book as well, Wayne? No, I did that last time. Um, I did a about a three-month tour around Europe with the first book. Right. Nearly killed me. It was like, it's, it's hard work. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, touring with a band, at least you get the tour bus and you get some sleep. But it, it kind of is and it isn't because it's like, you know, you only need one crew and, and then you usually finish by like 8.30 at night and you can go out to dinner. Well, no, I was doing solo shows as well. So I was playing, you know, I played piano, I played guitar and, and I was doing a bit of reading and stuff, and then it was just one guy, and we were driving. So, you know, there was times you'd have to get up 6 o'clock in the morning, drive eight hours to get to the next show. So it was it was tough. It was tough. Yeah. What, what I did, well, I did, I did one for Cured. I, I would go to somewhere like Denver and then just stay in the same place for a week and just drive out to the other places like Fort Collins or, or Boulder, you know, which are like about an hour and a half's drive. That's sensible. Yeah, much, much more reasonable. And uh, then I did a bit in England and that, but uh, I think I'm going to do a bit with this next one. I did South America, which was great. Ooh. I didn't come to your neck of the woods. I didn't come to your neck of the woods. say you didn't tell me. Yeah, well, you know, I, I kind of slipped my mind and I apologise, but I was, um, I was in Peru. Okay. In Arequipa, and then I went to Chile, and then I went over, flew over the top of the mountains to Argentina. I love Argentina, uh, and yeah, I did about a month in in South America, and then I came back and I, I did some in Mexico as well, which was great. Nice. And what I would do is I would do a similar thing to you, to, but to kind of fund it, you know, because publishers don't give you anything, right? So mm -hmm. I, I asked them in Peru and Chile and Argentina, okay, send me your a video of your best cure tribute bands right uh, and i had a review and I'll, I'll send them like six songs right that they need to know that's so brave <laughs> i can't believe you did this yeah then i did chuck berry i did chuck berry and i turn up and just walk on stage with no sound check nothing you know just walk on stage play the songs it was good as long as you had a good solid bassist it was good it was really good and it was fun to do yeah all the good stuff. Yeah, exactly. Pornography. Pornography is one of my fave albums. Thank you very much. Yeah. By, by anybody. I think the closest I've got to doing a solo show is with Susie, but it's The Creatures. Right. Um, but I do remember, I know it, I remember it because I remember our manager at the time, Tim Collins, you probably remember Tim. I remember Tim. 
He was he was the Colts tour manager. Yes, of course he was. That that was the connection. It wasn't Sabutio so much as Tim. Yeah, there you go. I always remember Tim because he, he he taught me how to say uh, a, a French lady's name correctly, Parmetier. Oh, well, he would, right? Yes, he did. Anyway, coming coming back to the, that that little tour that Tim was uh, tour managing, and we had two cars. One was the Beagle car, the Beagle car because they smoked in that one. Right. And we had the non-Beagle car. That was think that was me and Susie, I think. And then there was a guy driving the gear, which was just like a drum kit, really. And we we was so traveling light, two town cars. I think I always loved taking a town car around America if I could. Um, and we'd finish the show, and like it was a bit like you know, like real pop star stuff where you run off stage with everything soaking wet and jump in the car. There was we didn't even get in the dressing room, and just leave. And we drive into the night. And if we were getting like halfway between, I don't know, like London and Cambridge, Ontario or something. Yeah. <laughs> this is like big city tour. And get halfway and check into a motel and then get up at the crack of dawn and, and continue the drive in time for around about midday and then just collapse. And then you'd wake up for sound check and do the whole thing again. And it, we were younger then. Yes. But um, it, was, it was the first time we toured America and broke even. So <laughs> we thought, hmm. What's the, what's 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 good about this picture, and what's not good about the other one? But that that's a good way of doing it, though. That's a good way of doing it. Get come running off stage, do a runner, get out of the way, get onto the next halfway to the next place. Yeah, Wayne, did did you have to go through all the thing of changing your name when you checked into the hotel? Yeah, we did for a little while. Yeah, we did. What, yeah. what was yours then? Um, well, first of all, it was. Um, uh, I'll be singer, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, then there was another one, Alexander Pope. When 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 people started finding that out, you know, mm. uh, and then uh, then I went back to I'll be mission singer Zen. Oh, nice one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was great at breakfast, wasn't it, uh, Mister uh, Mission Singer Zen? <laughs> yes, your egg, your eggs are ready. <laughs> What was yours, Badji? Can you remember yours? Um, I think uh, Madam Madam uh, Madam Sue was um, Emma Peel, right, right, and I was Chad Valley. <laughs> Chad Valley. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we, we 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 had this idea we'd call ourselves all different names, and then we had it all printed on the on the front of our tour jackets, which made it a bit superfluous you know. a bit obvious yeah, yeah, a bit obvious you know, I, I was i was mr laszlo for a while there bloody ridiculous really i was um i was we were playing a festival last summer in belgium and uh, we turned up at the hotel and um reception oh we've got a room for uh mr hussy and they're looking down the list um oh we've got a room for mr pussy I said, oh, that, that must that, that must be me then. So they gave me they gave me this room. I went up to the room, and it was a lovely big room. It was like almost like a suite. And I was let, presidential. Yeah, let led down for about half an hour. Then the phone went said, "Um, sorry, um, we've given you the wrong room. Your room actually belongs to John Lydon. That was his pseudonym, Mister Pussy. <laughs> Mister Pussy." So, so I lived in a hotel 
for a, for a time as well. Yeah, what's what's the worst hotel you lived in then, Long? <laughs> well, the only hotel I ever really lived okay. in was um, I moved to America in 1994, and you know I was completely delusional, and I thought, well, where am I going to stay? I don't know where to stay, so I stayed at the Four Seasons in Beverly Hills for about four months, which was totally friggin' ridiculous. I mean, it was absolutely ridiculous. If I go back there, I'm sure the the doorman would still know my name. So, you know, it was kind of stupid, really. Well, for four seasons, that, that, wouldn't, that would have been a pretty penny. It, it was not cheap. No, no, it was not cheap. And it was a bit stupid, really. But there you go. I was suffering with delusions of grandeur. Well, we've all done stupid things. Well, I think we used to always like staying on in a hotel when the tour had finished. I remember that was always good fun. I remember staying at the Ritz up on, the, on Central Park, New York. Just for the crack of it. Yeah. <laughs> no, so we stayed at the Ritz Hotel and we went out uh, like, you know, Molly Malone's uh, all night Irish bar. Well, it was all night until you left. And then we went past those New York uh, delis, you know, they're open. All, they are all open all night and you get like the egg sandwich or the carrot cake. Um, but they had these watermelons and they were like literally like huge things. You couldn't hardly lift it and uh, you needed a pram. It was big as, bigger than a baby and um, got it back up to the hotel room and thought, oh, fancy a bit of that. So we got bludgeoned it. <laughs> it was bludgeoned this watermelon to death in the, and after we rolled it down the street and um, and it was just that we munched it and then collapsed probably, you know, and it was that yeah. the, the, the scene the next day it did look like something had, something bad had happened in the bathroom. I think we just left yeah. it, <laughs> left it, left the, the, the murdered melon. <laughs> yeah, because I was thinking that they don't, they don't hand out big knives, do they? They don't hand out big knives to cut watermelons in hotels. No, right? no, no, no. We just ripped it apart with our, you know, fists. <laughs> the murdered melon mystery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one thing I, I like to do after the end of a tour is actually, if I'm in a c country that I'm uh, not not too familiar with, is actually stay on and rent a car, have a little drive around. That's that's always a good thing. The sh the, the, the stranger the place, the better. What's the, what's the strangest place you stayed on and rented a vehicle and and did you get lost? Right. Uh, well, New Zealand was. Not strange, but it was, uh, there were some very remote places I went to there, like beaches, which were huge beaches where there was no, absolutely nobody there, no ro no roads, nothing, and you get on the beach and it's just, it's, it's kind of spooky, but spiritual. You're just there on your own. And there's, you know, you have to park up the hill and walk down through the jungle, get there. And it's, 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 a, it was amazing. Um, Moscow was one, another place that was, um, feeling like I was in a really foreign place. Don't know if you've ever been there, but uh, that's, uh, it was, that was a strange one for me, Moscow. I liked it there though. They got all these, um, metro stations that Stalin built. So they're all art deco and, um, and they're all, you know, all, all the, 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 the station names are in Russian, you know, so they they use the hieroglyphics. So it's, it. It's, it's impossible to know where you are. You look at the map <laughs> and it's like, okay. But uh, I, I did make it back to the hotel eventually. He just got one ticket and went around to all these Art Deco stations. It was actually a nice way to spend Museums it. underground. Yep. And they're, they're, they're beautiful, some of them. Yeah, really beautiful. I've never made it to Moscow yet, but when I do, I shall definitely go and take a look at that. Yeah, I wouldn't bother going at the moment. 
no, well, at the moment it'd probably be a bit unfriendly. I have a, a tip that I always used to tell everybody for like staying in a foreign city and finding my way home because, you know, I never knew when I was, what was going to happen, right? So <laughs> back in the day when people used to smoke a lot in hotels, I would always, the first thing I did when I got into my hotel room was get the matchbox with the hotel's name on, slip it in my pocket because <laughs> at 4 a.m. trying to tell a taxi driver where I'm staying in a foreign language much better just to show him the, the matchbook. And that's a good one. That's a good one. It's a good one. But I I know that I would have like a, a bag full of these matchboxes and you know paper wrap of the you're like which 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 one was it? <laughs> it's like, um, it's what, which, which one is it? Yeah. yeah, but you're in a different city. You know, but like this this one was from last night. Well, as long as I ended up at one and it had a bed, I'd be fine. You know? <laughs> that's two hundred miles away, sir. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right i just tell him the tour manager will pay you it'll be fine <laughs> it reminds me i was touring with um juno react out of brighton and ben had uh, like uh, two guys maybe and mandala from um, south africa percussion um, and uh they would fly up to like europe we were going to moscow or st petersburg or something it was the first time i'd been there as well um, and they got off the plane, <laughs> supposed to change planes, I think somewhere like, you know, Dusseldorf or something. And they got the name of the hotel they were supposed to be going to in Moscow and gave it to the driver. <laughs> and the driver just drove off somewhere through dark, darkest Germany. And they said, here you are. And they go like, what's this? Where's the band? What country are we in? I had no money. And then they got on the phone, like reverse charges, and say, "Where are you?" We say, we're, "We're in Moscow. Where are you guys? We're on." T I'm, t I'm telling it now, thinking, "No, that couldn't possibly have happened, but it did." And they made it. They, they made it. Um, Countryside near Dusseldorf. Oh, it was that they had to then get the taxi driver to agree to have the money wired to him for driving them nowhere, then driving them back to the airport so they could get on the plane they were supposed to get on in the first place. <laughs> Does this stuff like ring of spinal tap? Curious Creatures is created and presented by Lol Tolhurst and Budgie. Producer Joe Wong. Producer and audio designer Dan Didier. Executive producer Mark Cates. Associate producer Sophie Wilde. Digital Marketing, Margie Taylor. Art and Logo Design, Justin Thomas K. Music Production, Jack Knife Lee. Curious Creatures is on the web and you can access us at www.curiouscreaturespodcast.com And you can reach us on Instagram and Facebook at Curious Creatures Official, Twitter at Cure Creatures. To find more of the best music podcasts, visit doubleelvis.com or follow at Double Elvis on Instagram or at Double Elvis on Twitter. Curious Creatures is a production of LXB LLC 2023.